Hello, and welcome to the Objective Health Show. Joining me today in the studio is Doug, Tiffany, Elliot, and I am your host today, Erica. Hello. 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 So our topic for today is vaccination nation ramping up the hysteria. (laughs) And the inspiration for this show was the recent release of the World Health Organization's report on January 16, 2019 about vaccine hesitancy being one of the top 10 threats to global health in 2019. Joined alongside vaccine hesitancy, according to the WHO, is uh, air pollution, climate change, non-communicable diseases, global influenza pandemic, pandemic, antimicrobial resistance, and infectious diseases such as Ebola, dengue fever, and HIV. So that's really a lot of things. And that gives anti-vaxxers a lot of power. in the who's eyes apparently yeah no kidding but yeah those right are up there with Ebola <laughs> but saying no to vaccines wow that ranks right up there with the Ebola and the AIDS <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course those infectious diseases have pharmaceutical solutions right so maybe that's yeah. why it's part of those those top 10 concerns. What was interesting about this was there was no mention of the opioid epidemic (laughs) or the um, medical error epidemic. So in the US and Europe, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of people die every year from side effects of drugs. Uh, These are drugs that they're taking according to their doctor's prescriptions. Yes. Mm causing to the uh, third leading cause of death. So it was kind of interesting reading this because um, four years ago, the WHO had a very similar headline and the word vaccine hesitancy was used. And with this release of this document, many newspapers kind of trumped the line of uh, anti-vaxxers are the enemy, clamping down on fake news, uh, misleading information. They have uh, no faith in science. They're anti-science. And these are from things like the New York Times, uh, the Washington Post. uh, It's just shocking. It's shocking to me because, as I was saying to the host before the show, um, again, this was covered four years ago and that this is kind of what happened as a result was, uh, at least in the United States, places like California passed uh, SB 277, the mandatory vaccination laws. And we haven't really seen much more compliance. I mean, right now it's 93% compliance with vaccinations in the United States. So Mm. there's this whopping 7% that's unvaccinated and it's causing this global pandemic possibly. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I think that that comes from this whole idea of herd immunity and that they've put out there this idea that um, you have to have a 95% uh, compliance rate to be able to achieve this mythical herd immunity. And 
I mean, the fact of the matter is that's just based on an assumption. Um, I was reading an article where they actually went back and kind of found the source of that. And it came from like 1920. And it was just based on a whole series of assumptions. It assumed a certain number of people getting vaccinated. It assumed um, that there would only ever be one incident where um, the the virus was around to be able to get um, to infect people. It was just based on a whole series of kind of ridiculous assumptions. And they're still using that figure to this day to say that, oh, yes, we must have 95% compliance with the vaccine in order for, for this to work. Um, but I mean, the, the entire, it's all based on assumptions. Like everything that the who is putting this on the list for is all just assumptions. You know, the, the benefit of vaccines is all based on assumptions. Um, you know, when they list off numbers of people, oh, we estimate that if um, we got 100% compliance rate, 2.5 million lives would be saved. It's like, well, where is, where is that coming from? It's like, that's not based on any actual science or anything like that. They're just grabbing numbers out of the air. Yeah, let's see, um, 2.5, 2.5 million, that sounds about right. Yes, we would save 2.5 million. And, you know, it's just, it's just a whole series of assumptions that they will construct, and then that gets spread out through the media, and suddenly it's truth. Yeah, that I think the- That 2.5 million number, it came from some guy, and I can't recall his name, but- he wrote it in this report in 2009. He was a freelance writer and all of his clients were vaccine suppliers. So they had this assumption that most kids under five who died were not vaccinated, but they couldn't really prove that. And they said that uh, more than two thirds of kids who die every year die of diseases for which there are no vaccines. But if you look at it that way, really the best number that they could have come up with, according to this article, is 217,000 children, which Mm. is a damn sight less than 2.5 million. It's so ridiculous. Like, has there ever been any point in history where a certain medical procedure was pushed on the populace, like back in the day that they say, like everybody has to undergo bloodletting or leeches or anti bloodletter. (laughs) 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 Like why, why vaccines? I mean, I know there's several reasons money being one of them, but it just seems so bizarre that somebody thinks that they have the right to tell somebody that you have to accept this substance into your body. Also, um, the figure of 95%, that's really quite specific, but I would imagine that there, if that was, like, if that was genuine, yeah, and I don't buy the whole herd immunity BS, but if that was a genuine number, I would imagine there may be some leeway there, you mm. know, a few percent here or there. Well, from the statistic that was just said, this 7%, of us citizens so that leaves 93 percent who are vaccinated theoretically a 93 percent is not that much different to 95 percent i can't imagine there being that much of an issue there but because they're creating these numbers out of thin air and because they're coming up with these statistics what it suggests is that they're just pushing the agenda for other reasons it's mm-hmm. not about the health. It's not about the health preventing disease because when, you know, we've covered this so many times on the show before, it's not about protecting the people. It's not about promoting health. 
it because the statistics show that they're highly conflicting in that people who don't have vaccines sometimes actually have better outcomes. So <laughs> if they really cared about the health of the people, they would take that into consideration. So what are they playing here? What game are they playing? <laughs> what do they uh, want? <laughs> increase the profit margins. That's the game. They want total control over everything. Mm. Well, according to an editor at the New York Times, he said, it's no mystery how we got here. On the internet, anti-vaccine propaganda has outpaced pro-vaccine public health information. Pro-vaccine propaganda, he should have said. Yeah, he should have. <laughs> he should have. Yeah. And uh, he says, but in the cases of vaccines, there are some hard truths that deserve to be trumpeted. Vaccines are not toxic. They do not cause autism, full stop. And uh, so you see in a lot of these articles, I mean, there was one posted in Salon magazine and uh, even The Economist in in the UK, they were talking about how this campaign against vaccinations across Europe, the rise of populism in damaging public health, a common feature in skepticism of vaccines, pointing to Italy, Austria, and France as hotbeds of political support for parental choice about vaccinations. So basically, it's like if you read these mainstream media so- sources, and they all are saying essentially the same thing, and you know, that you're a selfish parent because you may have doubts and that that's spreading, you're fear-mongering, you're intimidating. I think they also said that it's tied to, uh, especially in Europe's case, it's tied to their fear of immigration. And these people want purity, unity, and self-governance from (laughs) influences. I mean, they're really, really reaching, in my opinion. It's, it's it's unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's, it's like the 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 fact that they're trying to tie it to a specific political leaning is just ridiculous. It's like you know people people's opinions on vaccines does not necessarily line up with their political views in any way. Like to say that it's populism that this mm-hmm. is happening because of populism, like that's just ridiculous. Like I'm sure there are many liberals out there who are not pro-vaccine, and mm-hmm. there's probably many Trump supporters who are pro-vaccine. So this whole idea that they're tying it, oh, yeah, it's the populists. It's like, yeah, you know, anti-vaxxers are white nationalists. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Give me a break. It's just ridiculous. Well, it's even more ridiculous is the Russia connection. Now they're Russian bots on anti-vaccine propaganda. So they're trying to uh, censor certain social media sites because Russian bots are placing ads or propaganda on there that's influencing people not to get vaccinated or not to vaccinate their children. So Russia did it. It's kind of, it's just, it's like, I mean, debunking the whole Russia did it thing is just, it, it would it would be an entire show in itself. And you can see other um, excellent radio shows that will talk about that extensively. Um, specifically on the SOT Media Network. However, uh, the, the the whole connection, like it's it's gotten to the point now where anything that goes against the mainstream me- uh, media uh, narrative on anything is Russian bots. It, everything. It doesn't matter what it is. 
vaccinations, yeah, if you're anti-vax, it's it's all just uh, influenced by Russian bots. And it's like it's so it's so it's so insulting. Like mm-hmm. the idea that nobody can form their own opinion, that anytime you have a contradictory opinion, it's it's because you've been influenced by the Kremlin. Like it's like you can't possibly think for yourself. Like, never mind Russian bots, you are a bot. You will just absorb any information that's fed to you without any kind of critical thinking. It's 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 enraging. I think this idea came from that person, <laughs> Dr. Uh, Richard Pan from California. California. This is the same guy who introduced uh, Bill SB 18, and that bill would give the government the right to remove parent- kids from their parents if the parents make medical decisions that are not in the best interests of the child. This is also the same dude that said that water is the most dangerous ingredient in vaccines. Also the same dude who uh, introduced Bill SB 277 in California, which passed. And that's the bill that makes uh, vaccination mandatory or your kids can't go to school and you can't have any personal belief exemptions. So this guy definitely has an agenda and he's not wrapped too tight in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the fact that he came up with this whole Russian connection is not very surprising, considering his history. If anybody comes, like if anybody throws the Russian bot thing out there, you should like just kind of immediately be skeptical because mm-hmm. it's it's just a way. It's it's just a, a an easy way to try and silence people. To try, try and silence any kind of dissenting on anything. Oh, that's being spread by Russian bots. It's like no, actually, people are actually thinking for themselves. But mm-hmm. um, you know, thanks for, for thanks for your input there. Well, yeah, that's it's one of the prime techniques is that they try to first they try to uh, make you feel guilty because you don't care about your neighbors enough to get your kids vaccinated, and then they just heap on the scorn and the abuse and make you seem like you're just an idiot who doesn't believe in science, which is not a winning technique at all if you want to win somebody over to your side. And the the sad thing is, is that for uh, the majority of people, it seems, or a large chunk of people, the word Russia or the word Russian bot, it's almost like a trigger word. It's like it triggers automatic associations. Boom, 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 boom. Mm. They, they, they have to stop. They, they stop thinking. You don't need to think anymore. You know, it's Russian bots and there are all of these associations with Russia and with Russian bots. And therefore, um, it's, it's a fairly simple means of, of diverting attention away from the people who are actually, um, who are actually thinking and questioning things. Um, yeah. And it's very interesting because um, one of the authors was talking about, I never really thought about it like this, but essentially every parent, who gets their child vaccinated and there is not a vaccine injury, which is, you know, uh, the large majority of vaccines, there's no immediate injury, like acute injury. So every single parent that gets their kid vaccinated and nothing happens, then goes on to become the enforcer of this kind of thinking Onto mm-hmm. other parents, I see it on Facebook all of the time. When someone posts an article or a meme or a video about vaccines, the parents jump on. They, yeah. 
they jump on like crazy. And I think one of the reasons is one, they probably genuinely believe it and that their child did not suffer any adverse consequences. And therefore, you know, they think it's a good thing. They want to promote it. But also, I think also there's a, a almost like a sense of avoidance of guilt. It's like they they cannot it must be difficult for a parent if you had your child vaccinated and let's be honest you know that they're giving babies 69 injections um like these days where they used to only have 16 or so so they're giving them like 69 injections and that's a, a lot of parents with a lot of vaccines um i can imagine that if i was a parent and i got my child vaccinated even if they weren't damaged if I found out that that was potentially detrimental, I would feel guilty as hell. I'd feel mm. really guilty. And so I think that, you know, it's like people policing other people nowadays. And that's how that's how that system kind of works. It's like it doesn't even have to just come up from the top. It's like people keeping themselves in, into the boxes themselves, you know? Yeah. 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 Like if they believe that vaccines are dangerous, then, oh, my God, they put their own children at risk. Yeah. It kind of seems like it's like a combination of that. It's like the on the one hand, they're telling you that um, anybody who isn't vaccinated and anybody who isn't vaccinated is dangerous and dangerous to possibly your child or, you know, people who can't get vaccinated or whatever. So vaccines are completely uh, effective and anybody who isn't vaccinated is dangerous. And then at the same time, they also put forward this idea that um, uh, <laughs> I seem to have lost my train of thought. Anyway, come back to me on that. <laughs> well, they never can really answer the question, which is brought up repeatedly, and no one ever seems to have a good answer for it. Like, if your vaccines are so protective, why are you worried about me? Your vaccine <laughs> should protect you. I'm no danger to you. My child is, if is not vaccinated, is no danger to your child who is vaccinated. Vaccines work. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's the herd mentality that they're looking for for a hundred percent to scorn <laughs> those that small percentage into disappearing. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, in California with SB two seven seven, without the religious or the uh, conscientious objector status, you know, people have to leave the state essentially. So they're no longer, you know, an issue. And uh, it's just disturbing because again, back to the beginning, it's such a small segment of the population, but seeing that this thing is growing exponentially. I mean, we were just reading that Pinterest has now banned any images for anti-vaccination. I mean, we're talking about Pinterest where you get recipes and sewing tips mm -hmm. and it's banned. And even Facebook is talking about, you know, banning anti-vaccination information. And what's interesting, cause we've all, at least us hosts here have watched numerous videos and, and read documents and, Maybe it's because scientists are actually coming out and saying, you know, there are some concerns here mm -hmm. and, you know, we're giving 69 doses of 16 vaccines uh, starting on the day a child is born. That's three times as many as say you or I got in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. And With that, we're not seeing kids in the U.S. get healthier at all. 
if anything, you know, one in six children are learning disabled, one in 40 have autism. There's millions of children suffering from asthma and diabetes, severe allergies, epilepsy. So there's there's some something going on here where these vaccines aren't making children healthier by any means. I mean, so maybe they don't get the measles, mm-hmm. maybe. And, you know, the measles is not even a disease that can kill a child. For the Unless most part, yeah. probably some underlying issue like poor nutrition or severe vitamin A deficiency or they're living in some war-torn place with, you know, uh, improper sanitation. Yeah. In, in that case, maybe you could die from the measles. You could die from a whole lot of things in that case. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the measles is not really like a the thing you should be going after. You should try and clean up the environment and have good nutrition. Nutrition. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it for sure. But I think that they, and they as in big pharma, they do not want any dissent, nobody, no voices speaking out to wake people up to the reality that this is all just a big sham. They can't have anybody say anything against their product or to just burst a bubble. I think they're just running scared. I think that that's what all of these, you know, articles about uh, vaccine hesitancy being ranking up there with AIDS and Ebola. I mean, they're, they're fearful. Mm. And I think that that's why they put the the narrative forward, which is actually what I was going to say before I remembered um, mm-hmm. the idea that's spread throughout the media, that there is no risk in getting a vaccine, no mm-hmm. risk. It's like, can you name any other medical procedure that has zero risk? Absolute zero. There's no, no. such thing. Taking vitamins has some risk. Acknowledges the fact that everything has a side effect. Exactly. And the benefit risk ratio. But when it comes to vaccines, they just have this kind of holy sacrament that cannot be questioned. Like the idea of the guy, the guy who, the California guy who said that the most dangerous thing in vaccines is water. Yeah. It's like, like, how, how can you say that? How can you look at that list of ingredients and think that all of those ingredients in there are less dangerous than water? It's like, think, sorry, go ahead, Elliot. I was just going to add, I don't think that he actually thinks that. <laughs> don't look at aluminium hydroxide and say, and yeah. say that's, that's, that's safer than water. You can't look at thimerosal. You can't look at adjuvants like polysorbate 80, polysorbate 60. Yeah, the guy clearly doesn't think it. He is intentionally misleading others. Yeah, and I think the problem is, is that people listen to him. They ascribe some authority to him, and they think, ah, he knows what he's talking about, and they listen and they just. Well, he's a doctor. He's got the dr in front of his name, so everything he says is the god honest truth. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but they totally like. I mean, they're painting themselves into a corner with that kind of talk, like to say that there is zero risk. It's just like anybody with two firing neurons recognizes that that is not the case. But the problem is that they've constructed this wall so that, you know, the the narrative is that none of these people who are having reaction to these vaccines, that's not legitimate. None of those are because of the vaccine. It's all coincidence. Um, so they then they have to have this facade that they, there is absolutely zero risk because if they admit that it's not zero risk, then they have to admit that some of these uh effects that these um kids or even adults are having could possibly be from the vaccine 
And then all of a sudden the whole house of cards falls because it's like, well, if there is some risk, then I personally have the right to not want a vaccine because I don't want to take that risk. Anytime there's a risk involved, I have the choice to not to take that risk or not take the risk. So they're putting forward this whole narrative that that is so flimsy that anybody who would bother to take a look at it obviously sees that it's flimsy. Obviously, there is some risk. Obviously, anybody has the right to decide whether or not they or their children want to take a risk. Therefore, mandatory vaccination is unethical. Well, and then, you know, it's back to this idea of fear mongering. And I think that's why they're trying to eliminate it from these platforms, because if you spread that fear and people even have the seed of doubt, they're going to wait, they're going to be quote unquote hesitant. And what's interesting is um, a doctor from John Hopkins uh, center for health and security was quoted uh, as saying, uh, you know, we had great response when we released the polio vaccine in the 1950s. It was an amazing achievement. And what we need to do is get back to the era when vaccines were celebrated the way a new iPhone is. <laughs> so it's again, trying to really manipulate people mm-hmm. like don't have doubts, believe what we're telling you. Yet again and again, you see people like um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. doing these amazing jobs of researching what's going on and actually going after people and holding people responsible for being dishonest mm-hmm. about their research. And one of those um, the biggest pusher of vaccines, at least in the United States and Atlanta, is the CDC. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, maybe we should play that video clip right now, because I mean, it's not primarily about um, Robert F. Kennedy, but he's he's in it, and it might um, steer our conversation a little bit. So, Damien, do you want to pull that up? The one that's. Um, uh, Full measure, it's called. Today, we investigate one of the biggest medical controversies of our time, vaccines. There's little dispute about this much. Vaccines save many lives, and rarely they injure or kill. A special federal vaccine court has paid out billions for injuries from brain damage to death, but not for the form of brain injury we call autism. Now we have remarkable new information. A respected pro-vaccine medical expert used by the federal government to debunk the vaccine autism link says vaccines can cause autism after all. He claims he told that to government officials long ago, but they kept it secret. Yates Hazelhurst was born February 11, 2000. Everything was normal, according to his medical records, until he suffered a severe reaction to vaccinations. Rolf Hazelhurst is Yates' dad. At first, I didn't believe it. I did not think that, I did not believe that vaccines could cause autism. I didn't believe it. This is today's hard reality for Yates. The trademark brain disease, pain, an inability to communicate that's common with severe autism. 
In 2007, Yates' father sued over his son's injuries in the little-known federal vaccine court. It was one of more than 5,000 vaccine autism claims. Congress created Vaccine Court in 1988 in consultation with the pharmaceutical industry. In the special court, vaccine makers don't defend their products. The federal government does it for them, using lawyers from the Justice Department. Money for victims comes from us, not the pharmaceutical industry, through patient fees added on to every vaccine given. Our hearings are all closed to the public. Um, and that's statutory. In 2007, Yates's case and nearly all the other vaccine autism claims lost. The decision was based largely on the expert opinion of this man, Dr. Andrew Zimmerman, a world-renowned pediatric neurologist, shown here at a lecture. Dr. Zimmerman was the government's top expert witness and had testified that vaccines didn't cause autism. The debate was declared over. But now, Dr. Zimmerman has provided remarkable new information. He claims that during the vaccine court hearings all those years ago, he privately told government lawyers that vaccines can and did cause autism in some children. That turnabout from the government's own chief medical expert stood to change everything about the vaccine autism debate, if the public were to find out. And he has come forward and explained how he told the United States government that vaccines can cause autism in a certain subset of children. And the United States government, the Department of Justice, suppressed his, um, his true opinions. Hazelhurst discovered that later when Dr. Zimmerman evaluated Yates as a teenager. That's when he partnered with vaccine safety advocate Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who has a voice condition. This is one of the most consequential frauds, arguably, in human history. Kennedy was instrumental in convincing Dr. Zimmerman to document his remarkable claim of the government covering up his true expert opinion on vaccines and autism. Dr. Zimmerman declined our interview request and referred us to his sworn affidavit. It says on June 15, 2007, he took aside the Department of Justice, or DOJ lawyers he worked for, defending vaccines in vaccine court. He told them that he discovered exceptions in which vaccinations could cause autism. I explained that in a subset of children, vaccine-induced fever and immune stimulation did cause regressive brain disease with features of autism spectrum disorder. This panicked the two DOJ attorneys. and. They immediately fired Zimmerman. They told, they called, that was on a Friday, and over the weekend they called Zimmerman and said his services would no longer be needed. They wanted to silence him. Days after the Department of Justice lawyers fired Dr. Zimmerman as their expert witness, he alleges they went on to misrepresent his opinion to continue to debunk autism claims. Records show that on June 18, 2007, a DOJ attorney Dr. Zimmerman spoke to told Vaccine Court, we know Dr. Zimmerman's views on the issue. There is no scientific basis for a connection between vaccines and autism. Dr. Zimmerman now calls that highly misleading. The former DOJ lawyer didn't return our calls and emails. Kennedy has filed a fraud complaint with the Justice Department Inspector General, who told us 
They don't comment on investigations or potential investigations. Meantime, CDC, which promotes vaccines and monitors vaccine safety, never disclosed that the government's own one-time medical expert concluded vaccines can cause autism. And to this day, public health officials deny that's the case. Based on... Well, that's... Um... It's amazing to me how despite all the evidence to the contrary, all the scientific articles and studies, all the esteemed doctors and scientists who actually say that there is or that there can be or that we need more uh, research on the subject, that these pharma companies just blaze ahead, stepping on everybody's toes and their wishes and everything, and they can just do whatever they want, no matter what anybody says. And this is kind of the case in a lot of different areas, not just vaccines, but they just, they have carte blanche to do whatever they want to do. And despite what anybody says about it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's kind of, it, the whole autism thing is just so crazy that, you know, wouldn't it be more worth their while to look more closely at this to say, okay, there seems to be a subset of people who are having these reactions. Why don't we do the science to find out what's going on there? Find out why a certain subset is having this problem. Find out what's going on and maybe make a safer vaccine or be able to pre-screen people to find out if they're, you know, no, you don't have this genetic condition, so you'll be fine with it. You do though, so you don't get it. Like, I mean, there's, it, it just seems like to, to, to put up this wall and deny any possibility and fire everybody. I mean, Dr. Andrew Wakefield being the, the, the best example of a guy who just gets, you know, smeared and destroyed, you know, he didn't even say that it causes autism. He just mm -hmm. said this needs to be looked into. And, you know, this, um, expert for the DOJ just pulls some people aside and says, you know, actually I have seen a couple of people who actually, you know, do have this, this uh, reaction to vaccines and they're just like, okay, well, your services are no longer needed. You shouldn't have said that. He's not it, towing the party line. Exactly. You know, many of the scientists who have discovered this link between vaccines and autism are not anti-vaccine. Right. They still believe in the idea of vaccination. They just want a safer vaccine. But if the yeah. pharma companies were to say, that, okay, maybe this is not safe for absolutely everybody, yeah. that would really hurt. The yeah, whole it's a chink in the armor. Yeah. I mean, they could not have any, anything uh, challenging the whole sacrament of vaccines. I think that a lot of the people who are labeled as anti-vaxxer you know, myself included, in fact, are not necessarily anti-vaccine. You know, it's like anybody who who questions it a little bit, who says, you know what, I think that we need more safety studies done. I think we need more research. I think we need better research. I think we need a lot of the um, conflicts of interest taken out. Those people are just smeared as anti-vaxxers. I mean, personally, like, I think the concept of vaccines are actually a good idea. You know, expose somebody to something, let the immune system build up immunity. That makes sense. I just think that the way that it's implemented right now is is barbaric and medieval. And I think that the people who are in charge here and doing it don't have a clue. I think they're they're clueless about how these things work, and they're just they're just a disaster. I don't think it's effective, and I don't think it's safe. But 
that doesn't mean that I'm anti-vaccine. I think that there should be more research into it. And like these, these things should be, you know, perfected. And that's a rational thing is that's a rational standpoint. Yeah. It's a rational. You would hope that the public health officials would be taking a similar stance. Uh, and I don't, I, I think you're, I think you're completely right on this. I don't think there are that many people who are like flat out against vaccinations. Right. Even some of the, you know, most well-known anti-vaccine advocates don't explicitly say that no one should be vaccinated. Right. And like the concept, I mean, there's something called autohemotherapy, which they've been doing for like past 200 years or so, which is essentially based on a similar concept mm-hmm. of, you know, injecting, you know, promoting adaptive immunity via like injecting something into the blood, mm-hmm. into the body. Um, it seems like a sound concept, but why do they need thimerosal? Why do they need aluminium? Why do they need the human embryonic uh, embryonic cells, mm-hmm. you know, from the abortion clinics? Why do they need kidney tissue? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, where the hell do they even get this stuff from? Why would you think that injecting that into someone's body is a good idea? You can use something else. Surely there's got to be some other kind of way. <laughs> you would think so. Well, and especially things like measles and the chickenpox, which are, you know, normal kind of rites of passage in childhood that children mm-hmm. experience. And, you know, of course, there are those small few that die from it. But for the most part, you break out in a rash and then you build lifelong immunity to those yeah. sicknesses. <laughs> Yeah, And so what's going to happen now, especially with chickenpox, um, if you never get them as a child and then you get them as an adult and that can cause sterility and major issues. Mm-hmm. So, so what's yeah. going to happen to all these children that are never getting any of these illnesses and they grow up as adults and they don't have any sort of immunity? And we know from the reading that vaccination immunity is only about, what, four years? Mm-hmm for things like the measles? Well, acquiring diseases naturally, like we used to get with chicken pox and the measles, that is true herd immunity. Like if everybody or the majority of people had chicken pox or measles as a child, then they would have lifelong immunity. They would, like there would be kids, maybe their own kids that would re-expose them to the virus. They wouldn't actually get chicken pox, but their immune system would get a boost. Mm-hmm. But now with the vaccination, you have people shedding chicken pox virus and measles virus. That's where these measles outbreaks are coming from. You have old people who are getting shingles now. It just makes everything worse. Like if you really wanted herd immunity, people would just catch things naturally and pass it on to people like, diseases work and everybody will be better off for it um if i remember correctly it wasn't too long before my time that they're actually having chicken pox parties for the children yeah. yeah so if if a child had chicken pox at school they wouldn't keep them off school that you know they'd get them into school or the, the parents would meet up and have the party yeah um yeah, so go over to Billy's house and play. Drink out yeah. of his cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's there's actually some research, I believe, um, which has shown that childhood chicken pox and things like measles and these kinds of common 
or what were once common illnesses how they're actually protective against sort of long-term chronic conditions. There's an association between having these and like a lower risk of certain types of cancers. So mm. it could just be a random association, but I think there's some scientists who are basically saying like, actually, maybe there's something to this. Cause I saw a study the other day. Um, if I can remember correctly, I think it was the measles virus when exposed, when a cancer cell was exposed to the measles virus, yeah was like the most potent anti-cancer agent like known and that's yeah. the measles virus so you know there's there's probably some kind of nuance here that we haven't really picked up on but i also think that it kind of fits in with our time you know this this whole avoidance of of getting sick avoidance of feeling symptoms avoidance of suffering really mm-hmm. and i think very much so the the generations now who are becoming parents who were kind of born uh probably pre-millennial but edging on millennial um they're the parents of today yeah so ultimately this um the avoidance of suffering the these kinds of things are have kind of been instilled in that generation in my generation essentially mm. and um and so it kind of makes sense as to why as to why they 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 are so scared of having the child be sick and all of this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of similar to the whole trying to avoid um, offense in any way. It's kind of like being sick is kind of like being offended. You have to avoid it at absolutely all costs, which is just, you know, it's just ridiculous. Like, you know, so many of these sicknesses are just like a right rite of passage kind of thing i remember i had chicken pox I've, i don't really remember that well but um i've seen pictures of myself sitting there with spots all over me chicken pox and guess what i don't have shingles now i yeah. think it was worth it <laughs> yeah i had the pox too and i don't remember it being a particularly horrible time in my life i remember getting like calamine lotion back rubs that was like really good <laughs> free massages <laughs> free massages yeah is this drive to to continuously cover yourself and probably cover your children in a ball of cotton wool yeah. and you know shield them from the world and essentially shield them from any pain and suffering and it you know that's on a psychological emotional and even physical front it seems that it's manifesting on all these different levels um unfortunately you know it's sad because it usually turns out that when you do that to someone you actually weaken them mm-hmm. you know you're weakening Absolutely. the system you're weakening the emotional resilience you know you're weakening the psychological capacity to think it's like if only if it's kind of ironic uh, that it's turned out like this, isn't it? Yes. I think the pharma companies know that about people. There's always going to be a sizable amount of people in the population who do want to live in this safe little bubble, like have a pill mm-hmm. for every ill. You know, if something goes wrong, they immediately want something to fix it. They don't want to suffer at all. And the pharma companies are whatever company is trying to sell you something basically plays on that because they know that that is true for a lot of people in the world. But it's it's like they're not satisfied unless every single person on earth is that way. They cannot tolerate any kind of dissent whatsoever. And that's the part that gets to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the inflicting, like they've, they've created this narrative that makes, uh, 
your freedom of choice, like in every other, you know, any other kind of medical intervention, it's always just been a choice, right? It's like, mm -hmm. if you want this medical intervention, then you can have it. If you don't want it, then you don't need to have it. You know, your doctor might try to talk you into it or something like that, but it's not, there isn't this kind of social pressure around. This is one of the first ones. I mean, I guess you could also argue that fluoridation of the water is also kind of a medical procedure as well. That's just being enforced on people. Mm -hmm. But vaccination, I think, is one of the the first ones where there is this, that because of the narrative that they've created, there is so much social pressure behind it. Like people are really worked up about this. Like the stuff I see on social media and stuff, like I, I, to be honest, I never say anything on social media about vaccination just because I don't want to deal with the freaking headache of the backlash on it. It's just ridiculous. Like it, 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 I don't, I don't want to deal with it. And, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, I remember in the past when I did actually, you know, post an article or something like that. And I had, on the one hand, I had people on there basically screaming at me. And on the other hand, I had private messages coming in to me saying, you're brave. Thank you for posting that. Blah, 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 blah. Because it's so, it's so polarizing. And there's, although those people wanted to say, yes, I support you and I agree with this, they didn't want to actually get into the fray, which is totally understandable because it's, it's a nightmare. Well, it kind of goes back to this whole idea of voluntary informed consent, which was actually memorialized in the Nuremberg Code after World War II. And just what you're talking about, Doug, I almost called you Dave. You know, even with doctors who are supportive of it, the opportunity for them to spend a little bit more time with each parent and say, look, this is the information. This is the insert packet mm -hmm. in these vaccinations. These, this is some of what the studies are showing. How about I, you know, give you some information and in a week we can meet again, but there's no way that's ever going to happen. Right. No. Because it's going to, it's going to freak the parents out and kind of like you, I mean, I didn't vaccinate my children and I've had a lot of people ask me about it. Uh, recently, I had a coworker whose child was sick, and she went to the doctor, and they gave her a measles shot, and the baby broke out in a rash mm. all over her belly, and the mom was obviously very freaked out. Now, at that point in time, I could have gone off on this whole rant about it, but I was being considerate to this mother that she was already stressed out enough as it was having a sick child, mm. but the, the opportunity to give parents more information seems like it could really go a long way and then you wouldn't have to battle on the the these social platforms by calling everyone an anti-vax or what was the, one of the words the the anti-vaxocopolypse you know i mean it just is like so much fear-mongering instead of giving parents a little bit of information and for me that's what happened when i was decided not to vaccinate a friend said to me so there's one in 10,000 chance that your child could have an adverse reaction. What is going to happen if your child is that one in 10,000? How will you deal with that? And that's kind of sold me on the whole thing. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what I would do. Well, the pharma companies don't want patients to have more information. I can't remember what that article was, but there was some group in the UK that was kind of discouraging people, uh, health authorities from giving out vaccine information, like 
if you get a vaccine, you're supposed to get a VIS, at least in the US, it's a vaccine information statement that you give to each person that comes in for a vaccine. And it basically goes into like why you should get vaccinated and the symptoms of the specific disease that you're getting vaccinated against, maybe some kind of watered down <laughs> uh, risk of getting a vaccine. But even that they did not want people to get because they said it would cause, basically it would cause hesitancy or it might be right. over advising the person and it might scare them away. Over so they don't want any doubt whatsoever. And this vaccine insert that they give people or that they're supposed to give people is not the actual vaccine insert that comes with the vaccine that the medical professionals have access to that actually lists all of the ingredients and some of the study results or the adverse events like uh, deaths or you know seizures or whatever. I mean, the vaccine statements that they give the patients is really just really, really basic. But surprisingly, <laughs> I got a, um, a chickenpox vaccine insert here and they actually do have the number for the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program on the back of the paper. Hmm. But of course they don't give these out all the time. So a lot of people don't even know that little bit. Yeah, it's crazy too, because the narrative is so flimsy. It's like all these media people who are saying um, there's zero risk. It's like, well, all you have to do is look at the, the insert um, mm -hmm. that the pharmaceutical company provides. And you can see that it's not zero risk. You can see they've got a list of the possible adverse effects there. And then they might say, ah, oh, well, it's so uncommon. It's, <laughs> it's really uncommon. And then it's when you zero. that own statistic that actually says that potentially only 1%, 1%. And I think that's even, I think that's even like a high measure. I would, I wouldn't even be surprised if it was much less than 1% are actually reported to the authorities yeah. because people don't know the risks. So they're not aware that if something happened three days after the vaccine, then they're not necessarily going to connect the dots. Not many people even know to connect the dots. They're not told by their doctor. Um, and so it's no wonder why half of them aren't actually reported. And when it turns out, when they... You know, there are lots of hospitals that don't even know the procedure of how of how to like file a report because no one's done it there before. So these people go to the the, the hospital and they can't even file the report because there's no one to help them to do it. They don't know how to do it. So I would say that one percent is a very uh, generous estimate, probably when you think of the amount of vaccines. And I'll tell you that personally working, uh, I have a past working with children who have special needs. And there were several of those parents who had actually told mem other members of staff, basically that it happened after the vaccination. Mm. So their autism or their learning disability or something happened after the vaccination. And I am fairly sure that none of those were reported to the authorities. So I think it's probably very common. And going back to that percentage too, I mean, that's for one vaccine, but you have things now like the DPT, the diteria pertetinus, pertussis and tetanus shot. So now you have three in one. Yeah. So how much does that percentage go up? And, you know, even parents that 
are trying to go kind of the middle ground. And we read an article on this, I can't remember the name of it, but doctors that are supporting parental informed consent and choice and are saying, okay, well, maybe we should do some tests to see if your child might be allergic to things that are in the vaccine or have a previous condition that would exempt them medically, which is really hard to get. Mm -hmm. um, you know, let's have a discussion. Maybe we'll just give your child the tetanus shot, or maybe we'll just give them the diphtheria, but not packing them all into one and then just completely overloading this, you know, five to 10 pound baby the first day of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, like even in Japan, they break up the MMR, the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine into three right. separate shots. And that's just assuming that that's the only shot that they get at that particular visit. I mean, there have been stories about kids getting multiple different vaccines in the same visit. Yeah. And this takes place over years and they're just children. I mean, there's been story in the news. Who was that? Uh, I think it was a British cancer doctor who got the yellow fever vaccine recently and just dropped dead yeah. right there. <laughs> what was his name? Martin Gore, Dr. Martin Gore. Yeah. And yeah. there was, I think there was one popular news outlet over in the UK that didn't even mention that he had had a vaccine, didn't even say what. Oh, that's not surprising at all. Yeah. But on the, I think it was the Daily Mail, they actually did quote somebody who talked about all the risks that come with taking the yellow fever vaccine. So that was surprising. But I mean, these kind of things, they don't want people to know that there's a possibility. Not only could you get sick, but you could die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maybe we could talk a bit about this. Um, um, I think I sent you the link, Damien, for the Newsweek piece. So maybe you could pull that up. I just wanted to say something quick about it. So it's basically uh, an opinion piece on, in Newsweek. Uh, mm -hmm. And the headline is, the anti-vaxxer movement is growing. We need to restore faith in science. And that just like, right off the bat, I was kind of like, faith in science? <laughs> Like science is a religion. Apparently, it is. Faith in it. Science is a religion. <laughs> Got we him. Need to have faith in it. It's <laughs> like it's just like that attitude is just unbelievable. It's like, listen, you need the priests of science to tell you how to think. Okay, mm -hmm. you, we need to restore our faith in in these scientists. It's just it's it's ridiculous. I mean, there's so much wrong with it. You could unpack this in so many ways. I mean, first of all, it's presenting science as if there's one opinion. This is science right here. And everything else is not science. So whatever science is saying is the truth, and you have to have faith in that. And everything else, don't worry about it. That's just nonsense. Don't have faith in any of that. It, and I don't know. There's just it, it just it blows my mind. It's like we need to have faith in science. It's like, no, why don't you actually read the science? <laughs> don't worry about faith. It's interesting you say that because these recent scientific studies are describing things like emergence of new vaccine-related autoimmune illnesses, mm -hmm. um, inferior health status of testing vaccinated versus unvaccinated children. I mean, why can't the CDC do that? This is, it works yeah. here. Here's the stats. 
widespread corruption among vaccine regulators. I mean, GlaxoSmithKline, we don't need to rehash what a horrible company they are, you know, um, and government efforts to hide the serious vaccine related side effects and intimidation of scientists like the one that yeah. we watched in the video, you know, we're, well, we'll just fire you and discredit you. So yeah. of and course people are going to be a little reluctant to release their quote unquote science mm -hmm. that says this is not as safe as all these articles and all this stuff is saying. Well, how about the science of that, um, the female researcher, I believe she was a Russian researcher who was actually showing that, because when they make the vaccine, they're running it through a mouse brain. It's picking, <laughs> it's, it's picking up re like retroviruses from mm. the mouse brain, yeah. which don't, which aren't toxic to the mice, but are potentially toxic to human beings. And mm. so you're injecting a virus, a live virus out of a mouse brain into the blood and that is potentially causing like a, a viral infection in the brain which is what they've linked to autism that's science why not listen listening to that science i have faith in science real science that's the thing yeah it's not a problem to have faith in science in the concept of science but you have no. to be discerning you have to discern what is actual science and what is just propaganda no reading that stuff is just shaking your faith elliot don't don't look at that stuff. Just have faith in, you know, it's not even science. You know, really what they're telling you is not not have faith in science. What they're telling you is have faith in what we tell you the science says. Because what the science actually says versus what the mainstream media reports on the science says, there's is a world of difference. Mm -hmm. A world of difference. Like they act the MSM acts like science only has one perspective and this is it. So have faith in that. They're, they're every not. Every single scientist in the world agrees with the science. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's 100% consensus. That's it. Mm -hmm. Science actually works by consensus. All the scientists get together and they decide by consensus what the truth is. Yeah. It's a, and, then, and then that's what's reported on in the media. So if you disagree with that, you just have no faith in science. No, if you disagree with it now, you deserve to be hanged according to the Boston Herald, <laughs> vaccine skeptics should be hanged. I guess the staff on this, uh, uh, at the Boston Herald was blaming anti-vaxxing Somali immigrants for uh, <laughs> in Minnesota in the last couple of years. So they got their panties all in a knot because some kids got the measles and they decided that anybody who died of vaccine should be killed. So what's that say? This, this is where we've come. This is where society is, I mean, believe us or die. Yeah, more or less. And it's funny yeah. that they, the other article was saying that it's the, uh, the populists who are the, um, the anti-vaxxers. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's, Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's whoever they point their finger to. It, on any given day, it'll change. Yeah. 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 Jesse Smollett is an anti vaxxer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, by the way. I could get sued for that. <laughs> <laughs>
So uh, I don't know. Do we have any advice for anybody besides don't get vaccinated? <laughs> don't get vaccinated. Don't. No, we we're not saying that. No, no. don't say that. Not no. intended to be medical advice yeah. on anything yeah. in any sense of the word. I but I say with know. with parents exercise your informed consent that is one that is one right you still have working for you Mm -hmm. and ask questions even write them down Mm -hmm. write the list of questions down before you go Mm -hmm. but with the the current laws that we have um i don't know i mean there's always going to be people who want to be vaccinated and that's absolutely their right no one can deny them that but if you don't want it it shouldn't be a problem but it is a problem and that is the problem yeah now the the cdc is kind of spearheading this effort in the states to have these vaccine registries that will track compliance and refusal to comply with vaccination so they want to have this database that can be provided to uh, doctors, public health authorities, and authorized stakeholders, whoever they are. I'm assuming they're people who work for uh, big drug companies. So if you are hesitant or your child is not up to date on their vaccines, you can expect phone calls, emails, or even home visits from health authorities. I mean, there's already, I forget what state it's in, but if you do not want your child to be vaccinated, you have to have a counseling session with a person that works at the health department. Like, what are they going to threaten to break your legs next? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The push is just so strong. And it just makes me want to push back. But the only way you can push back is, you know, if you're not convinced by the science that they keep touting as so scientific, then the only thing you can do is not get vaccinated. But that is becoming more and more like it's going to be a struggle in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think it's already they're already making it very difficult. Mm -hmm. And I think it's only going to get more, more difficult as time goes. Well, I mean, especially if you've got kids. Yeah. In this day and age, trying to keep your your kids from not getting vaccinated, it's. I feel for parents out there who don't want to vaccinate their kids for sure. Yeah, whenever I think of having children, the whole vaccination and public school system <laughs> are really, really big deterrents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think kind of going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show is that we are seeing this again about three or four years later. And I'm thinking that maybe part of it is, is the California mandatory law was not as successful as that, that they had hoped that they it's not implemented in every state in the United States. And maybe it's just a refresher of the fear mongering to again, get legislation to do, to do these sorts of things and to do away with, you know, the parent ultimately being the decider of the child's well-being as opposed to big pharma or the CDC or the mm-hmm. World Health Organization. And Yeah, they don't like that. No. Nope. They want the state to be able to make all the decisions for you. <laughs> 
So I think we pretty much covered as much as we could for this show for today. Thank everyone for turning in, tuning in now that we're on video. <laughs> and uh, we look forward to having another informative show next week. This is Objective Health. Hit that like and subscribe. Yes. <laughs> You have to say that if you're on YouTube. Is that I meant? I think it's the yeah. Rule. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Okay. So hit the and like. And as we've said so many times before, do your research. Pause. Mm -hmm. Wait. Don't be forced into something that you, as a parent, you have deep intuition when something is not right. And go with that. Even if it means taking somebody there to support you. That's my suggestion. Good advice. Okay. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.